Hello and welcome to The Creative Economy. It's our weekly interview series where we chat with the players from the creator economy at large and discuss the key topics that are impacting the growth of the industry. Uh, my name is Ken Young. I am flying solo today while Greg is working on uh, other stuff and planning out his next uh, trips to NFT Miami. Uh, but we'll be back with more guests uh, later on. Uh, but right now, it's I have the pleasure to chat with the head of product at, at Spotter. Um, it's somebody. It's a company that we've talked about uh, many times on this show, or and also on our Friday show, Creative Briefs. Uh, but before we get to get to that, our special guest, uh, just a little bit of housekeeping items. So, as I mentioned, you're watching uh, Created Economy. It's our flagship episode. We go live. Uh, well, normally we would go live, but actually this is the first episode where we are doing everything pre-recorded. So this episode is now broadcasting on Wednesdays. Uh, you can find more about us at. Uh, created.show, uh, find more long-form content, insights, and uh, show notes, and a recap on our website at createdeconomy.com. Uh, be sure to follow us on social. We are at Created Economy on Twitter. Uh, we are also Created Economy on our YouTube. Be sure to like and subscribe for all the latest uh, videos from our episodes. And be sure to also check us out on Flipboard at flipboard.com slash at Created Economy. That's where we're going to be curating all the latest news around the industry and be sure to if you want to be a guest on our show we have plenty of slots available for the rest of the year uh join us at uh, createdeconomy.com slash guest list and so without further ado um but actually before we get to that I'll give a quick plug out to our sponsor uh cex uh the creator economy expo is the uh, is our is the one event creator content content creators need to attend in 2022. It's going to be held at the Arizona Grand Resort, May 2nd through the 4th. You can learn about building audience, driving revenue, uh, new content operations, and even some Web3. It's an amazing speaker lineup and also in real life networking. And we all need that after two years of being locked down. Uh, join us there on May 2nd through the 4th. You can find out more information at cex.events. And if you use the uh, the registration code created, C-R-E-A-T-E-D, you can save $200 on your registration fee. So that's go to cex.events for more information. All right. And without further ado, I want to bring on our guest at this time, uh, Mehul Trivedi. Uh, he is the head of product at, uh, at Spotter. And for those that are not aware, Spotter is a platform that provides cash upfront cash to creators uh, by acquiring the rights to their content, their video content. Um, so a little bit of background here. They just raised, in February, they raised $200 million. Um, they are now considered a unicorn at a $1.7 billion valuation. Uh, SoftBank, uh, a SoftBank-backed startup, say that 20 times fast. Um, but it launched in 2019. They already count Mr. Beast, uh, like Nastia, Dude Perfect, and many others as clients. And they plan to invest $1 billion uh, in creators to, to, to basically do deals with their catalog by mid-next year of 2023. So uh, looking forward to diving more into that. But before we get to that, uh, Mehul, welcome to the show. How's it going? Great. Thank you for the great introduction for Sparkan. Great to meet you. And uh, thank you for your time. No worries. So, um, why don't we, you know, I kind of gave the little bit of introduction, but uh, about the company, but let's talk about who you are. Um, how did you get involved? In, let's talk about your backstory, your origin story, because obviously there's uh, 
you know, anybody who loves comics and, and superheroes and technology, they want to know about where, did, where, how did people get their start? So what is your background and what led you to the creator economy? Sure. So I am a product specialist, a journalist in product space. I have worked for uh, large companies such as Microsoft and Intrigue Quilio, solving different types of customer facing problems and also at startups. Uh, I like to solve customer problems with engaging, relevant, exciting experiences. Uh, I draw my strengths and passion from finding solutions that are at the center of tech visibility, market opportunities, and uh, customer value. You know, the, the core is the customer and you work backwards from it. In this case, work backwards from creators. And uh, to your point about where did I start, pretty much I'm a, an engineer at heart, uh, but like to do creative product management, I found out early on in my career. And that's when I switched into uh, product strategy, product management, while also managing product development teams, uh, building great products uh, at various companies, as I mentioned before. Uh, I was reached out. I initially was uh, you know, not sure about Spotter, but it's a great company, great mission. Uh, as Aaron mentions, we want to get creators more money more often in more ways. And, and it just uh, stuck with me. I just found that extremely appealing. And here I am. Have you noticed a bit of a technology culture shift, right? Be, because your background is working at Microsoft, which is a little bit of, it is consumer, but it's enterprise. Then LendingTree, very much a B2B type of uh, a company. Then Twilio, which is totally not consumer at all, right? That is super enterprise, that is super developer focused. How is that the, what you've done in terms of product management and, and guiding the team there, how is that in what you've done there informed what you're doing at, at Spotter? And has there been stuff that you find unique or challenging that you're like, wow, this is, I've learned something here. Absolutely. So one thing I would say, you're right. I mean, Microsoft is enterprise as a company, but when you look at office, OneDrive and SharePoint and many products, they are, uh, you know, outlook, uh, focused on customer, one customer at a time. Most importantly, lending tree is a multi-sided marketplace where you convert the customers over into a, an engaged and, and uh, lifetime relationship uh, customer across multiple products. What I find very interesting here is creator economy is a very exciting space. The creators are hyper-creative and emotionally active segment. They are involved in every aspect of their output in their product. And uh, my draw mainly here is to allow them, uh, you know, allow to help them achieve their dreams of uh, you know, building the best videos possible, uh, growing their channel into great businesses and so on. And, and this is a unique kind of a marketplace opportunity here. Also, uh, here I have an opportunity to build V0 products, right? We have proven the product market fit. Now we are beyond that. As you mentioned early on, we have, deployed over $350 million in, in capital, and we want to help more creators. The only way we can do that is if we scale our service uh, beyond white glove experiences into the true technology products uh, with slippery and sticky, good customer experiences for creators. So there are a lot of overlapping opportunities here. And, and oftentimes, you know, I have changed my career into uh, a new problem space once having solved the old problem 
the right way. And so I bring the core strength both from the industry verticals as well as the horizontal product strategy, product management, product building here to create these great experiences for creators. What advice would you give to product managers who are part of a, a fledging startup who may not necessarily have the background that you might have, right? Having the extensive experience working in big companies um, with a lot of diverse challenges, but they're like, I, I just signed on to work with my friend's company and I'm now the, uh, the PM there. I want to build something. What should they, what approach should they be uh, taking? What kind of thinking should they be uh, you think what should they be thinking about as it relates to building out a company or, or running a product? Sure. So first thing is there are a lot of things to be excited about. Uh, building either V0 or version one products at startups is an experience that not is an opportunity that not everyone gets, right? It's a very unique experience. You get to leave your mark on the company. Most of the times, as is the case uh, with, a, with about three startups that I've been now part of, you get to build not only the products, but also the processes and the product culture for those companies. Uh, these opportunities teach you a lot, uh, help you uncover a lot of things about yourselves. And especially for product people, product strategists, it's an important insight. Uh, to, to develop, uh, they need to be self-aware first before they can help anybody else outside. And these are those opportunities. This is a crucible of when you try something, the experimentation is the key. You either succeed and scale, and on the next experiment, you might fail and you need to pivot. Learning that agility is an important thing. People that have either not worked in those environments uh, or have not worked at all, uh, it takes a little bit of building of a muscle to do that to work in a vague environment with no playbook for success, um, write your own playbook, learn from the experiments and experiences uh, it is a key thing and it's a great experience. It's uh, something to look forward to. And on the flip side, you wanna make sure that uh, you like the environment of chaos. Uh, sometimes you may be uh, constrained in some ways, uh, either the wisdom of previous successes mentorship or uh, sometimes Spotter doesn't have this problem because of the ways that you mentioned at the, at the beginning, but constraints of resources may also be something that you be mindful of. Uh, so there are pros and cons, lots of fun to have, but uh, some things to make sure that you know what you're getting into. Uh, it's pretty much uh, you're building something from scratch on uh, a, a ground that no building existed before. So let's get a dive into a little bit about Spotter, right? I mean, you are, and I did a research on on the company, and Spotter it was was number nine on Fast Company's list of most innovative media companies of this year. And there's more than 120 channels that are uh, that Spotter has deals with. I'd imagine um, that delivers 9.4 billion views monthly. Uh, so. As I look at what Spotter has done and read all these other articles about Spotter and it's, uh, I guess, the closest competitor to that being JellySmack, both SoftBank-backed companies, I'm curious, 
what happens under the surface to make this a truly innovative company? Because as I as you look at just the surface, it's just a company is buying the back catalog for a creator. And okay, there's a there's brand deals, but what else is there to spotter that lies beneath that surface that makes it people should be like, oh, there's actually something more to this than them just paying out paying out cash to to creators. Like what else? What's the what's the what's the magic? Sure. So um, let's deep dive a little bit into our process. On the surface, as you mentioned, it may look similar, uh, but Spotter has been doing this for, for nine years now. As you mentioned, now we are at 175 channels uh, and we continue to grow. We have very aggressive targets for this year. And it all started with data. We, uh, the germane of the idea in Aaron's head came from looking at the data and understanding what the creator motivations are, why creators can't grow fast enough. At the core of it is the capital, but there are also other things that we can help them with, the insight into the data. Either they don't have time for it or they haven't thought about some of the innovative ways of looking at their data. And a couple of things we mentioned to our creators is, uh, you know, your new videos are worth a lot more than your old videos. Old videos decay really fast. And then for a long period of time, the value is locked up in your old videos. And, and, and that's where to your point, we hug with uh, you know, capital, unlock the value in those old videos and uh, provide the capital without any restrictions to use for, uh, you know, creating new videos, growing their business, building the business the way they want it. This is not an advance or a loan, right? So that in itself is a, is a big uh, power for the creators to have while they still uh, hold the intellectual property. Uh, our uh, analytics uh, data analysis based on which we assess the value of the library and suitability for investment or deployment of the capital is seasoned. We haven't been doing this for the last three months or two months. We have been doing this for over six years. Uh, that's where the initial time was spent from 19, 2015 up to 19 or so uh, when we got into this uh, back uh, catalog investment or back catalog licensing business. Uh, and so we have been doing this for a while. In itself, uh, uh, it takes a while for us to, uh, for anyone to make sure that we are aware of what the uh, value and, and right alignment is and how we can create more value for the creators so that we can get them the most money that the creators deserve for their libraries. Um, to your point about the secret sauce, at core as a company, we are creator obsessed. We believe passionately about making the creator successful in helping them achieve their dreams of making the best video, building their business to the full potential. And uh, to that point, we are building the muscle to uh, provide them help to build a true partnership relationship beyond the capital. The, we want to provide the tools and tips to help them get to bigger market share and importantly, mind share. Uh, and, and so uh, we, uh, they can be empowered to become the best creators that they are. Uh, so uh, we, we are going to go beyond the white glove teams, uh, limited reach, both for the capital as well as the advisement and uh, tools and tips and, and uh, building the community. 
do you see this as being something equivalent to like a big data play rather um, behind the scenes? Is that kind of where a the uh, at spotters ambitions might lie? I, I guess it's almost the equivalent of how when Foursquare launched um, a few many years ago at, at South by Southwest, you know, they it emerged as a check-in app and everyone went and checked in and, you know, there, there was a whole gamification of the whole thing. Everyone had fun, but then secretly, well, those that weren't really paying attention were like, Oh, well that all that data has to go somewhere and it's being used by somewhere. And so Foursquare is harvesting all this data and they're using it to track people's shopping patterns or where they're going and those type of things. So they're, it's more of an aggregate type of type of play would you say you know in a sense that's kind of what spotters doing in terms of as you as a company buys um, back catalogs and helps to monetize those works that data that is derived from people watching those videos um, and and the creators that you are supporting get fed into some engine and therefore could help inform the wider industry or potential advertisers or brands who may want to partner with these um, with these creators I mean is there some big data play at, that that spotter could be looking at in the future data is definitely at the center of our use cases right? whether it is to understand the creator's library's value or in some cases when we match the brand with the right suitable library or the audience um, I don't know if we would ever go as far as uh, big data for monetization. Big data as a technology for understanding the behaviors, understanding the right match for the creators so that we can get them the most money and also uh, uh, you know, suss out good insights into what works for a creator, how to make them more successful, how to help them become bigger, get more subs, more views and more uh, revenue. To that point, yes, we will continue to build more use cases on the data. Uh, I don't think we are on a mission to really democratize the data, especially about the creators. That's something we will use to help the creators not anger beyond it. Now, this is uh, you know early stages. We have enough opportunity in front of us to get the creators the most money they can. And in part, uh, that may come from uh, you know, some of the brand matching that we would also do, but kind of cherry on the top. Uh, so that's where I would, I would say we are focused right now, building the big data platform for good analysis and helping the creators. How would you see the, why would they, a creator opt to partner with uh, or license their, their content to a company like Spotter as opposed to, you know, I mean, I have a bunch of videos on my YouTube. Uh, granted, I'm not a, I don't have an audience the size of Mr. Beast or any of these guys, any of these people um, that may be uh, of value to to Spotter. Um, but why would I want to say, "Hey, use these past videos that I have from our podcast and you know licenses out to Spotter"? What is the what is the marketing pitch there? Like, what? Why would if I was a creator, it came to you, say, hey, "Mahul, why should I use you? What would you tell me?" Absolutely. So two main perspectives. One is uh, the videos decay really fast. Uh, I think these days, uh, viewers' attention is fleeting. There's a lot of content in the market, and in general, uh, people 
want to consume or watch newer videos, fresh videos. And so videos decay really fast. The old videos are not as valuable as the new videos. In other words, to flip that uh, point, new videos are really valuable. The creators need to create more and more new videos. They are rewarded for that, both from YouTube in terms of monetization, as well as in just the viewer attention, the viewership and subscriptions. Uh, and second, the old videos, if you leave them alone, have locked up value that you can use to create a virtuous cycle in creating the new videos. And so unlock the value, transfer the risk and build new videos. And to the point of transfer risk, when you uh, work with Spotter, we provide capital, lump sum number, without any restriction on your intellectual property. The creator still retains the intellectual property rights. Not only that, because we are focused only on YouTube, you are free to use your created content on any other platforms, Insta or Twitch or anything else that you want to use. We don't really restrict it or limit it. And at the end of the contract term, the, the videos and, and intellectual property is back to you. We are licensing it. So in a lot of ways, we have that. Uh, you know, really flexible, open terms of relationship that we want to build for long term and lifetime. Uh, and even if you have videos that are not decaying that fast, why would you have the value locked up over the next three, four, five years where you get the trickling revenue coming in? Uh, we say take the money and build your business for now because growth is the only true uh, way to protect against the obsolescence. Other creators are coming into market. There is a lot of cloud of content. And so here is the opportunity to uh, build your business with our capital and uh, become even more successful. What types of creators are you looking, is Spotter looking to uh, bring on board or do deals with? Um, are they, and I know that the average size is about, one, uh, the deal would, would be 1.5 million, although it could be as low as $15,000. Um, and I guess, those terms can vary by creator to creator. Like some could be maybe like a 90 day window uh, contract. Another one could be a year long contract or so on and so forth. Uh, but I'm curious in terms of the types of content, video content that you, that spotter is looking at. Um, obviously things that may be polarizing would be stuff that you, you might shy away from, but are there specific verticals where spotter is wholeheartedly embracing and saying, yes, we want to be, we want to do deals with these type of creators. Absolutely. So, um, you know, in general, like you said, average check size may have been 1.5 million, but we want to help creators of all sizes uh, for their hard work and help them build the businesses. One thing we look for is longevity. They're the creator's commitment to the platform and to the craft. So, uh, roughly speaking, we say about uh, creators who have been creating for about 12 months or more, uh, generally large number of views per month, like 1 million or so right now is our focus with White Globe. But as we build uh, uh, scaled experiences online, probably we'll be able to entertain a lot more creators even of smaller sizes, as long as they have commitment to the platform and to this uh, creator uh, craft. Uh, as you mentioned, the, the polarizing things, overt language, abusive language of content, violence, weapons, et cetera, we stay away from. Uh, but otherwise, we want to help as many creators as we can. 
granted, in the past or recent months, we have focused on family-oriented videos, just how the success has found us. Uh, but we are not limited by only certain categories. There may be some categories that may not show that uh, longevity or a creator's commitment to them, but uh, we are open to working with creators uh, that come from different categories uh, with different motivations and creativity. And it doesn't, is it specifically US centric or are you open to working with creators worldwide? Worldwide. We have actually invested in uh, other languages as well. Another uh, trend we are also seeing is creators taking their English language video and putting it them into other languages for audiences outside and vice versa. So we are open uh, to worldwide uh, investment. What's required for your clients when they when they sign a deal with you? What do they need to do on their end in order to, to make this happen? Like are they do they give you access to their account? Do they do they need to insert some specific code? Um, what is the what is the process after they they sign a they, their partner with with the spotter? Sure. So let's start at the process of engagement. Uh, so when the creator first finds out about us or wants to engage with us, first thing we ask for is uh, give us authorization to access their channel data so that our uh, predictive models, our data analytics uh, engine can analyze that channel data and uh, arrive at the right valuation. As I mentioned, we have been maturing that engine for more than five, six years now. So it's, it's a pretty good uh, model with our only intention being getting the most money that the creator deserves and needs to build a business. So we, that's our first major step, authorization and analyzing their data. After that analysis, we provide insights on the characteristics of the channel and supporting rationale for evaluation that we may come up uh, for the channel to explain in detail and take the creator on their journey along. Right? There, there may be things that we would learn from the creators in terms of what we saw versus what they're planning or what they see, what their point of view is. Uh, so there is a good conversation around that. But uh, that then hopefully culminates into uh, a, uh, a deal or a contract that we enter into. At that point, uh, we make sure that the channel content is theirs and, and the claims are fine and right. And a little bit of a content review process to make sure that the content is not in any way uh, orthogonal to our investment philosophy, like I mentioned before, the uh, uh, violence or weapons or any of the... Uh, unsuitable content that we, we, we don't want to align with. Uh, and, and then that's it. The risk is transferred. Then over the uh, term of the contract, uh, even if the viewership decays or uh, any other uh, you know, issues happen with the content library, uh, that's not the creator's risk. They have transferred the risk. They have the money, and they use it to grow the business that they want. Do you see the... Well, I'm just curious in terms of the the work that is required. Like, as I'm a partner with Spotter, are there any things that I should be avoid doing? Like, what if I want to use a Patreon or a subscription type of offering, right? Because YouTube has that subscription capability, um, you know, with whether there's additional features like tipping or 
you know, other creator tools that, that uh, YouTube has or whatever existing infrastructure I as a creator might have, at, you know, at my, at my disposal. Do you play nice with all these other systems? Are there any, any potential roadblocks that creators may need to figure out before they sign with, with spotter or it all happens behind the scenes and uh, there's no, there's no intersection of technologies. Um, not that I know of. At this point, uh, we are seeing a big, heavy trend uh, that the social commerce is coming, right? Especially with the privacy restrictions or privacy-related flexibility that Apple and Android both have put in the hands of the phone user or device uh, users. We see the trend in social commerce uh, only growing in coming months and years. Uh, we are not uh, here to get in the way. In fact, the tools, tips, and tricks, and advice, and insights that I talked about will build a muscle towards how to enable creators to make more money, whether it's Patreon or any other uh, commerce uh, technology, uh, including YouTube's preferred partners and otherwise. YouTube is a great partner of ours as well. Uh, so we will, uh, you know, work both with our partners as well as creators to find more such opportunities to enable the creators rather than restricting them. If anything comes across as a technology limitation, I don't see how or why, because we don't move the content off of YouTube platforms or what works on YouTube will continue to work. Uh, but we, if, if it arises, we'll work quickly to just uh, get it out of the way. Our, our job is to make sure that we make the creators successful without getting in their way, in fact, helping them. Do you see, how do you, how do you envision Web3 possibly impacting Spotter, right? I mean, if we're going to, if we stick with specifically with YouTube, they, they're talking about uh, potentially exploring NFTs. Of course, everybody says they're looking at NFTs. Nobody has any real concrete idea of how they're going to implement it. But of course, we know that's coming down the pipe. Same thing from anything Web3 related. Do you, is that something that Spotter is actively looking at? And do you have anything to share in terms of what Spotter might be, how Spotter might play well in the Web3 space? We are definitely watching Web3 closely. We don't have any uh, immediate product features or offering features uh, specific to the Web3 offering. Uh, I mean, overall you know, integrations is where we see a lot of opportunities with Web3.0. Uh, NFT, as you mentioned, is going to be another substrate uh, on top of Web3 or parallel to it. Uh, so any of the offerings enabled by uh, any of the new emerging technologies will keep a close eye on and uh, if nothing else, uh, start experimenting uh, the good experiences to help the creators. But uh, as you mentioned with NFT, it is at the top of our mind. We haven't really announced any specific offerings related to NFT yet, but uh, it seems like a good opportunity, at least uh, seeing the trends right now, uh, as additional ways of monetizing creators' intellectual property, uh, the artwork. Right? And so as long as it does not uh, conflict with our ability to continue to monetize once we have uh, made deal with the creator on YouTube, we are all open to my earlier points about social, economic, uh, social uh, commerce and, and extensions of it. One thing I'm curious about is the world of video has moved, at least in social media, has moved from back, I think, let's say the early 2000s 
was when everyone posted long form videos on YouTube, on sites like Vidler and Vimeo and all these type of places, right? And then I guess in the past, let's say five plus years, we started moving towards bite-sized content or and then ephemeral content, right? And then now TikTok is is a viable competitor to uh, Facebook and Snapchat. Um, and everyone's copying TikTok, right? With their with these short form videos. It seems Spotter's foundational ele element property are long form videos on specifically on YouTube. Has short form videos put a put a raised any concerns within Spotter about how this could how this trend could potentially impact business? Or is that something like, well, it's going to be short-term videos, even ephemeral videos will still be there, but long-form videos will, will never go away. Valid point, absolutely. We are keeping a very close eye on shorts, especially as they also come on YouTube and there is a very uh, early indication, but uh, the indications are that users are engaging with short form videos quite a bit. Right? Uh, but one thing we are also keeping an eye on is the monetization capabilities, right? At the end of the day, creators need to monetize the content to make sure that they can continue to create the content that is high quality, engaging and uh, rewarding. And that's not yet possible with shorts, the way the shorts are supported in all of these platforms that you mentioned. I mean, you didn't mention Insta, but Insta Reels are also somewhat of a, uh, hit YouTube shorts. And, and what you see is the platforms are creating funds to support the creators, to uh, encourage them to create shorts, but no direct monetization play there yet. Another trend that we have seen is to your mention of TikTok, they have actually started promoting long form videos recently. Like they have 10 minute videos and so on, which is another uh, support in the direction that Spotify is going, which is to say long form is here to stay long form is only going to grow. And especially the good creators with good quality content want uh, you know, to make their point at liberty with good pace. And that requires like with long form than a few seconds of video that's good for engaging, but not for keeping and retaining the the customer or, or viewer and, and making them happy. So we believe that long form videos are here to stay. They are going to grow. A lot of it, what we are seeing is also the linear or TV is coming to connected TV and then to uh, YouTube like disconnected devices or at will at, uh, you know, on demand uh, consumption. So uh, that flow is going to continue uh, for a while. And if at any point it looks like short is turning the tide and we can uh, help creators monetize much better on that platform, we won't be far behind. We are watching it like a hawk really, really close. Gotcha. One thing, uh, my co-host, uh, Greg, um, he usually likes to talk about this movement of creators becoming businesses or basically becoming entrepreneurs in of, it, in of themselves. Um, and the debate that we kind of have on the show is that, you know, some creators don't want to become business people. They don't want to be forced into that becoming an entrepreneur. They just want to to be a, a true a, a creator by by its purest form. Um, but it seems that, you know, there, there's an, a sense of inevitability where people who are creators or influencers or whatever they want to be called need, are trying to find ways to do this, especially with this whole great resignation whole thing and people are quitting their jobs and going to do their own thing. How does, and I think 
in the creator economy space, and we've looked at statistics in the past where majority of people uh, uh, that are in the that are that identify as creators, they those that are monetizing or getting some sort of revenue are through brand brand partnerships, brand deals, brand advertising, whatever you want to call it. It seems that this what we have with Spotter, if you are if you are able to produce a, a, a good healthy set of content over the course of your time as a creator, you don't necessarily need to bank on getting that deal with you know Nike or um, you know Proc- uh, Procter and Gamble or you know T-Mobile, Samsung, wh- whoever. Like you can you can find ways to monetize your work through these type of things, and it's it seems relatively low risk, right? On, on, if I go through spotter or, or anything, uh, any similar service, uh, because at the end of the day, it's, I don't have to really create any new content, right? You're, you're just using my old catalog and you're putting, uh, you're helping to monetize that, whether it's through ads or whatever. And you're helping to inform me of who my audience is. So that way, when I take the money that you're giving me, um, and, and and I get that it's not a loan, it's or or whatever, it's it's my money now, my capital. I can reinvest it to say, okay, Spotter has told me who my audience is, who what kind of who do, what kind of stuff are they interested in. Then I can create more videos that relate to them and drive up more views, get more subscribers, get more attention, and and kind of move up that curve. Um, would that be a fair? description of, of how you might see this kind of like process it is so let me we summarize it in a way that we help the creators and how we see our uh, model helping the creators become businesses or even more successful businesses if you have a small one so in order to survive and thrive the creators need capital to one uh, become self-sustaining if they are small and then when they start growing if they want to continue focusing on the creative output they need a team around them they need infrastructure around them so that they don't have to do 15 different things like a very small business owner and that's where our capital can help Uh, so our capital can help first bootstrap uh, a creator into creating more volume at high quality at high pace you know, right away. If you have the old catalog, you're just waiting on the trickle revenue to come in every month. And that may take a while before you have enough nest tech to invest in a good equipment or hire a team with confidence that you won't have to worry about the paychecks. And so we help that right away. The second thing is we also help with insights and build a partnership in uh, helping the creator understand the operations of business and not have to worry too much about whether they are releasing the video at the right time and so on. Those kind of tips can help eliminate that operation burden as well. So we help the creators by doing that, you know, leave the finance out, leave the operations out. Now what remains is focus on creating your product, which is the creative high quality videos. Uh, and so that's an, it's an extraordinary way uh, to think about us in helping them become bigger. And then you also mentioned the brands, absolutely. Instead of having to create a brand or or integrate the brand into their content, they just have to worry about what is the subject, the content, and making the point or whatever they are trying to uh, 
describe or trying to put out there. Um, and then leave the monetization and, and alignment outside the video. Decoupling that gives them a lot of flexibility now and in future. And by spotter aggregating videos across number of creators, Imagine if you are kind of mid-sized to small creator, you don't have a lot of leverage to even attract a large brand, let alone longer term brand loyalty. Whereas when Spotter can aggregate that and mediate that for brands, for the creators, we can now again, deliver on their promise of most money to the creators because now we have more money and we have added some value uh, in this marketplace. So can you give us a little, shed a little bit of light in terms of, spotter's product roadmap like where does where can we expect from spotter um i mean you're 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 the guy that runs uh that's in charge of all the products so might as well take take advantage of this uh where do you see this going in the next two years right i mean you have this new uh influx of cash and granted a lot of it's going to go towards investing towards hitting that a billion dollar um investment in in creators but what else what can we expect from Spotter in, in the next two years from in terms of uh, the product roadmap? Yep. So uh, at this point, we are extremely hyper-focused on growth. We see a lot of opportunities in front of us. We have helped several creators, uh, mostly of large size, as you mentioned at the beginning of the show, uh, Mr. Beast and, and name the list just grows as, as we continue to deploy more money. Uh, but we also think that we have the opportunity here to help the medium-sized creators become big and they already have the potential to do so. We don't have to do a lot to help them. Uh, and so our, our main focus is growth, to build those sticky and slippery experiences to one, make the creators aware of uh, a solution such as ours that exists, how easy it is to take advantage of it, how uh, you know, uh, freeing it is to get the money and not be uh, restricted by a, uh, you know, loan covenant or any other kind of restrictions to your intellectual property. Uh, so we're going to be focused on growth, engaging as many creators as we can in any corner of the world without any barrier to language or uh, presence of the creator where they are. Uh, and then we want to build the muscle towards helping these creators once they are in network, even if uh, uh, we may not have made the deal the first time because the creator probably didn't understand the model or uh, alignment issues. We want to continue to uh, nurture and nourish them for uh, you know, that creator to become the creator that they want to become, to build the business where they want to go. So growth and then engaging and grooming the creator into the right type, right size, right focused creator they want to become. So uh, we're going to focus on those two pillars, growth first, and then helping uh, build the lifetime relationship with the creators. There will be a lot of experiences that will build around those. Uh, and everything is rooted into the analysis of data, as I mentioned before, not only from the, uh, with the eye to uh, value the catalog, but understand the catalog and its strengths to help that creator uh, you know, uh, scale or repeat the past successes they've had, the audience connections they've built uh, to find more opportunities for either finding more audience like that or uh, engage more with the audiences uh, that are already relating and connecting with them. So something I'm curious about is the defensibility of a company like Spotter. And 
not to say that oh it's anyone can do it obviously not your your spotter is doing very very well but i'm curious and putting all your eggs in one basket that being youtube um as and and though you are a a you know you're on good terms with the company is there a risk of just saying you only work with youtube at this point are there plans to that's for spotter to maybe branch out to work with other platforms in the future because what happens if youtube decides to change something in their api or in their policy or whatever and you know we can't say that doesn't happen because it does not which specifically with youtube but with instagram or you know all these other big platforms they make one simple change it kind of it can basically ruin an entire company um that that relies on it is that something uh that that is on the back of the mind of you know the, this team at spotter oh, it is a fair point it's a discussion we constantly have uh, everyone we talk to, whether it is to hire them as a new team member or in general, uh, when I mention YouTube as our focus platform, it does come up all the time. Uh, and and uh, the way we see it is YouTube is really large. It's a world in itself. For YouTube to change their behavior or change their uh, stance would be a pretty big shift. It could happen, but we see very small uh, uh, probability of it. And so at this point, we are comfortable focusing on YouTube. It gives us a startup, a hyper-focus that it needs to use all its resources to become successful and the growth that we want to achieve. Uh, I mean, the alternative is to kind of spread thin, hedging our bets in multiple things, but then the growth would be also, you know, kind of appropriate when you hedge the risk, right? And so uh, we are absolutely hyper-focused right now. We continue to have those debates and discussions at what point. Um, I think to in, in some ways, uh, that decision will hinge not on the risk, but also on how can we help creators more? Are we actually unlocking or unblocking creators by going into other platforms? Then it will become an easier decision to uh, build on that synergy for, for offerings on other platforms at this point. Uh, as we talked about uh, during our conversations on monetization and shorts, uh, at this point, we see we can help the creators the best uh, in, in helping the capital and with our focus and our data engines on YouTube analysis that we have matured over years, uh, we are in the best position even compared to comp competition that will obviously come because now we have shown the success in this space, more competitors will obviously follow. Uh, we will continue to have that leg up and, and we wanna make sure that we build that growth uh, that is absolutely appropriate on, on YouTube. Yeah. A couple of questions before we close out is, how as somebody who's and I, I want to go back to your background because I find it interesting that you've worked at, at again Microsoft, LendingTree, and Twilio. These have been relatively transformative businesses in in the world of tech. Or and as what advice would you give to anybody who says I want to find a company that is truly that 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 could be a game changer. And I, I don't mean, you want to use that word as very cliche and because everyone's always touting, oh, I'm a game changer you know, company or whatever. But what advice would you give to a, a builder or a, an engineer or designer or 
a writer, whoever who wants to join a company that could be have an upward trajectory in the long term, right? Because there are some that you know, like, oh, this is actually going to take off as opposed to those that maybe not so. What advice would you give them to, in terms of scouring, you know, in terms of figuring out who, what, what, what company that could be? So one thing I would advise is, um, you know, put your uh, third person hat on. Analyze your own strengths and what you need first and match them with the experience and opportunity of learning or growing that you can get from the company that you join or the team that you join. Uh, whether you work for a large company or a small, at the end of the day, you work with a team of people that is just kind of immediate to you. Very rarely you would find someone who can actually interact with and learn from 100 people, let alone 500 or 5,000 or 50,000 people, right? So even within Microsoft, you usually find your opportunity uh, and, and best uh, relationship and experience with your closest uh, immediate teams. And that's what you want to match your expectation to, whether it is a short, a small company or a large company, you're, uh, you are going to be responsible for what you are doing. The great opportunity of working with small companies or startups is you get to leave your mark. And in doing so, learn by doing rather than just uh, doing what you have been told. And maybe you will pick up why uh, that was important for you to do or why the company's culture shaped up the way it is today. Uh, so match your expectation, what you want to get out of an experience with the team that you're working with. It, it, at that point, it doesn't matter whether it's a startup or a large company. Trying to find a bat, I mean, Spar is a unicorn, which is an extraordinary thing, but trying to find a company that will absolutely be a rocket ship is more of, an, more of a hindsight than uh, something you can absolutely with certainty bat on every time you go out to look for a job or uh, even as an investment manager, you would say uh, across the venture capital that basically that nobody has an alpha, right? And so uh, as an engineer, as a product specialist, uh, what I have always done is to shape my career as a journalist, solve different types of business problems, solve different types of market opportunities with product. And in doing so, you will learn so much that then the opportunities will come your uh, do your best work and not worry about betting on the right rewards. So there was this quote I saw. I can't remember whether I saw it on the Spotter website or maybe I saw it in an article from uh, your, your CEO or co-founder. The phrase is people over profit, right? And I think it kind of leads me to to, I guess, the final question I have is, again, almost an advice related question there are plenty of builders out there going after the creator economy space um it's a wild wild west we have those that are in the web3 space we have those that are doing lincoln bios we have those that are targeting music musicians we have those targeting you know videos all sorts of all all areas right i mean this is the the dawn of a new era of web and you know kind of back in the early 2000s where you know, everyone went crazy and did whatever that you know, launched whatever product and hope something stuck, and then and then everybody whittles down to 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 the winners and and not so fortunate ones. So, to that in that regards, people for profit. How, what what does that mean to you? 
how does that relate to spotter and what kind of message should uh should listeners take away if, if they're building creator tools uh and and how should that guide them moving forward in terms of building out their business Sure. So I think I alluded to earlier on in, in, in one of the questions too, which is we are a creator obsessed company. We want to help creators and in doing so want to have fun so that people or profit uh, is targeted at both our customers, our partners and creators, as well as our, uh, our team to make sure that our team has fun. Look, in differentiation, I could have mentioned analytics is like the number one thing and, and the most important secret sauce. Or I could mention our team, which really wants to go above and beyond to help the creators. But the real thing is the entire company is creator obsessed. And in, in, in that sentiment itself, uh, it's really important for us to make sure that we build things for our creators in the way uh, that helps the creators. And even when we talk, think about solutions or think about uh, how we want to help creators, we think of things like audience over algorithms. Right? We are not trying to solve a problem of how does YouTube actually uh, promote or recommend a video and do we actually reverse engineer algorithms the best possible way and so on. Like how, instead of that, let's focus on what creators' customers are and how can we make sure that the audience is sticky for the creators help them use the capital in the best possible way that way, and then uh, make sure that the growth in their uh, you know, subscriptions, viewership, uh, even revenues is uh, as much as possible guaranteed and, and works as a safety against obsolescence. I talked about before, like new videos uh, better than old, but how? And, and that focus of people uh, to make sure that at the end of the day, we are all you know, humans, relating to humans, however, uh, we exchange the unit of economics uh, is secondary. We want to make sure that we value the relationship and we value their success over ours or uh, along with ours. Cool. Uh, well, Mahul, thank you so very much for joining us, uh, joining me on the show. It was amazing to hear your, uh, your history, your background, uh, to hear more about Spotter. Uh, but before you go, if anyone has any questions for you or wants to learn more about spotter can you leave a uh tell them where to find you how to get in touch uh to to learn more uh my email address is mehu.trivedi at spotter.la you still are on spotter.la <laughs> i keep uh, campaigning for spotter.com the domain we own but that's my email address mehu.trivedi at spotter.la cool Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for, for joining us uh, and, and looking forward to hearing more uh, about, about the company. It, it seems like every other week we, we hear more and more about the company. I think leading up to this interview, there were, I, I think I read like three or four articles all about Spotter. Uh, so it looks like you, you, you guys are doing an amazing job over there. Uh, so thank you so much for taking the time to join join me today uh, on, on this episode of Created Economy. Thank you very much for your time as well, Ken, and great conversation. Uh, we hope to continue you know, getting more and more money for more creators in more ways. Sounds good. All right. Take care. Take care. Thank you. All right. Well, uh, thank you, Mehul, for joining us. Um, and 
thank you everyone for paying for watching this episode of Created Economy. We will be back next week for another episode. Uh, we have more people, more founders and, and CEOs joining us uh, on, on deck is uh, the founders of Every, uh, Nathan Bashes and Dan Shipper. Uh, we also have the co-CEO of Artlist, uh, Ira Belsky joining us and many more in the works. Uh, and if you want to be a guest on our show, join us at createdeconomy.com slash guest list, sign up there and let us know or uh, send me a DM or an email or also ping uh, Greg, Narain, uh, and we will try and fit you in on our schedule. We have plenty of openings for the rest of 2022, and we definitely want to know more about the creator economy. So with that, I uh, bid you all a, a very happy day, uh, and I look forward to chatting with you all soon. Take care. <laughs>